0: Hey there, this is Andy Baker, and you're listening to the Baker's Dozen podcast, where I serve up analysis of current TV series from the perspective of a development executive and screenwriter, and I do so 13 bytes at a time. This is FetCast number six, where I deep dive into episode six of The Book of Boba Fett, or episode two of The Mandalorian season three, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. So I'm going to admit that I am slightly regretting my decision to cover the Book of Boba Fett. Now, it's important to learn the lesson and to accept things as they are, rather than as I wish them to be. And so I have to take the Book of Boba Fett for what it always intended to be, which was a little bit of Boba Fett, a little bit of Mando, and a little bit of Star Wars fan service. Fine. Fine. Yeah, there's stuff to like, but in the end, is this what any of us hoped or expected the book of Boba Fett to be? I doubt it. And while it's always nice to be in the Star Wars world and it looks great, production values are through the roof. I'm constantly struck by how what's on my TV screen just seems so unthinkable even, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. It's beautiful to look at. And again, it's cool. It's Star Wars. And yet the story underlying everything is very disappointing. But I might as well just start jumping into the specific points so that I don't get bogged down in just a big old rant. One. You can tell a lot from a title. So the title of this episode is From the Desert Comes a Stranger. And... Clearly, that is referencing Cad Bane, the uh, very intimidating mercenary who shows up and later on in the episode. And I just wanted to point out that this title has nothing whatsoever to do with any of the Mandalorian material when he goes out to see Grogu, and it focuses on Cad Bane, who admittedly is very cool. And if you haven't seen this character, by all means go online and track down the list of episodes that he is involved in over the course of Clone Wars. And I guess he's in in a, a Bad Batch thing with Fennec, which sets up some very interesting stuff for the Finale of this season slash series, but I just wanted to point out that this is your title for the episode, and Cad Bane is in the episode for all of four minutes out of thirty whatever plus. You can never tell; it's roughly about thirty to thirty-two, maybe when you take the credits off of it and all of the preamble stuff. Cad Bane doesn't show up until a half hour into this episode, and it's almost like they know that. The rest of the episode is pretty much filler. Interesting filler and useful filler when it comes to The Mandalorian. But still, when it comes to the Book of Boba Fett and what's going on in Tatooine, there's telling us that from the title that this is about this stranger arriving. And we spend four minutes with Cad Bane, and that's going to pay off on the final episode? And why is the title referring to this tiny piece of the story when there's so much of the episode? Basically, it's because there's no title that could possibly work to handle all of the different things that are going on in this episode. Anyway, it's the only real major development in the main storyline, the fact that Cad Bane is now involved. And anyone who doesn't have a history with this character is out of luck when it comes to, it's like, okay... He's a really intimidating, scary badass, but uh, there's not a lot of weight to that for anybody who is just checking out these shows on Disney Plus and has seen the movies, but hasn't done the deep dive into Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. Anyway, so it's just very interesting to me that we have a title that refers to a character who doesn't show up until the episode is almost over. Never mind the fact that this is happening in the second to last episode, the penultimate episode of the Book of Boba Fett. So very interesting that they're emphasizing a character that we barely know, and there's no time to really explore that character because there's only one episode left. But I'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later. Two. Two. The strong and silent type. Just pointing this out. You and I said as much as Boba Fett did this episode. He said nothing. It's sad. Seeing him look around as Fennec spoke during that planning session, he was lost, like he did a nod, but that was the extent of it. As an actor, this is your show, and you have nothing to do. And the writers in the room, they're cognizant of this. Someone had to have raised the point. "Ah, Are we going to have Boba say something in this episode? This is the scene for it. And you have to imagine that someone like Favreau or Filoni was saying, no, no, no. see, this is symbolic that uh, Boba Fett is he's a Tuscan now. He's quiet and he's commanding and he's different and he's changed and he is. You know, watching as his newly assembled team works things out, he's the one who brought them together. He made this meeting possible, just his gravitas. And so he doesn't need to talk. And nobody really does. Mando has a line. Fennec presents everything. You expect Black or to not say very much. But I did find it interesting, and it's very telling, that Boba Fett had just as many lines as the mods did. So Boba Fett is on the same level as the mods. Three. Three. Penultimate Episode Story Development. Now, don't get me wrong, interesting stuff happens in this episode. The Mando humor about sitting on a bench. We get to see Grogu's past. We get to see him escaping. What is it? Order 66. The we get Mando longing to see the kid. And his choice not to, we get the Grogu training sequence, which frankly was goofy. And when you have a puppet in a burlap sack and Luke like force scooting him across the ground, like it's meant to be cute, but it ends up just feeling goofy. And I think that there are some issues up ahead when it comes to a growing and maturing Grogu and how that's going to work with Mando in season three. But that aside, all of this material is fan service and planting seeds for The Mandalorian Season 3, as well as the upcoming Ahsoka show, maybe Obi-Wan, but it doesn't advance the core story of this season at all. It's one thing to do that in bits and pieces along the course of a series, but they just jam-packed it into two episodes where it's okay, eventually we're going to get back to the story at hand. But this is the penultimate episode where you're supposed to be, traditionally anyway, setting up what's going to happen in the finale. And... Yeah, it's fun to have all of these gaps filled in. What did Luke do after Return of the Jedi? And we've heard bits and pieces, but it's nice to see him doing that. And it's fun to see him talk about Yoda and how Yoda talked and trying to take on the role of teacher because we knew and we know from the sequel movies that's something that he did. We get to see Ahsoka again and we get to find out what she is up to post Clone Wars but the sense of purpose and narrative drive to the series that we're heading into a finale and there's very little that we know or that has been built up as to what needs to play out in that final episode i'll get into that in a little bit but it's unfortunate that we don't have this sense of not impending doom traditionally in stories you have it's darkest before the dawn and You have these characters having to go up against something, and they do, but we just don't know enough about it to feel like whatever payoffs are going to be coming in the next episode have been earned because we just haven't been on enough of a journey. So anyway, again, cool stuff in the episode, but is this the time and the place to do it? And picture it, let me just put it this way, that we're seeing this unfold week to week, which is what disney has chosen to do that they're not doing the netflix just dump them all at once and but everyone from now on is going to binge watch the book of boba fett if they're going to watch it at all or they're just going to jump in if they only care about the mandalorian and they hear the book of boba fett really stinks then they'll just ignore everything else and just watch these two episodes Which isn't great. And better to slowly play it out over time so they have to watch all of the episodes. But anyway, it's always interesting to think about that sort of episode week to week unfolding versus the binging, how most people are going to end up watching this thing in the future. It's just such a odd choice. Like the people are going to end up skipping from episode four to episode seven, because five and six are just this sort of, it's like video game side quests. Like when are you going to get back to the main story? We're just going to jump right into it next week and then it'll be over. It's just such an odd choice. And I would really love to talk to Favreau and Filoni to find out what made them choose to do it this way. Four. Let's talk about the current timeline. So obviously we spend a lot of time with Boba Fett coming out of the Sarlacc Pit, Tuskins, that whole storyline, which, as I've said from the beginning, I found to be very interesting and compelling compared to, especially when you set it side by side with what's happening in the present day storyline. That is never more true than it is right now, because think about it. The minimal development that has gone into the current timeline. We saw Boba Fett trying to establish himself at this moment where he has taken the seat of power, but no one believes in him. And so he's going to wander the streets with Fennec and then start adding people to his crew. He's betrayed by the mayor. He recruits the kids and they have that big old stupid chase sequence. The huts show up. We have the introduction of Chrysantin. We have that whole rancor thing, which never went anywhere. He meets with the factions. And when you find out, okay, there's this power dynamic in Mos Espa, and then he goes around recruiting Mando as an ally, or Fennec does. And uh, we spend a little bit of time with Garza Whip, But think about this, like, how much time have we spent with any of these people? It's isolated scenes. Like, just you know, the huts are in a couple of scenes and the mods got introduced and then were put on the back burner and we saw them this episode and they don't say anything but the mayor was in what two scenes and then disappears and the sanctuary and garcef whip we've visited that place a few times but like do we really ultimately get to know any of these people and care about any of these people not enough time has been spent with them and it's one thing, like I, I get it, like you can't spend a ton of time with everybody, but when you give away two out of seven episodes, yeah, you know, that's an hour we could have spent developing character and storylines and narratives in the present day. And they just didn't. So in the end, the book of Boba Fett was written as a movie, and that's what this was. Like they was an and it's a movie with an interesting first act into the second act, the Tuscan Rebirth. The second half of the second act and the third act, bad i don't care what they do next week how cool it looks it's going to be underdeveloped it's not going to be interesting enough we'll get some cool gee whiz moments but other than that narratively it will be disappointing and i hate saying that because i went into this series with such high hopes and i love the mandalorian and i have faith that other shows will be good but i don't understand why favreau and floney this is the path that they chose they are underdeveloping all of these characters. They're like introducing them and then saying, well, okay, you'll get to know them elsewhere. And we'll pay off little bits and pieces, but like Chrysanthemum, we'll see somewhere else. And huts are huts, what does it matter? And it is, we're going to just kill off Garza Fwip. But it's so unfortunate. Tell the story of his Tuscan rebirth and just end there and have that be your story. But having this present day thing where it gives you an excuse to do the fan service thing and put together a gang of mercenaries it, it just even that's not going to go anywhere the whole idea that he's going to put together his own house and you know be able to make himself independent that's going to pay off in the final episode where at the end it's okay i now have a house and these are the people who work for me and we are free and it, it's just when you don't invest in the development the character development and the narrative development the payoff is just going to be hollow five the price paid for underdeveloping things. The choice to uh, keep abandoning the present-day storyline, the end result is, do we really care about Garza Fwip's death other than to feel that the character was wasted? Do we care about the factions in the Do we care uh, about the mod and the price gouging or even the spice trade? Really other than spice trade is bad. Okay. So that's what they're trying to stop and save Tatooine, but really there aren't any stakes there. Yeah. Okay. Saving Tatooine, there are stakes, but we don't care about them because they've been so underdeveloped and really like a lot of the horrors of like how we might think about the pikes, it's all connected to the Tuscans and the genocide and how. That was underdeveloped, too, in the sense that we didn't get any real closure there, or at least when it comes to the kid and the woman. And I've gone into that in previous episodes. I don't need to belabor that. But because things are so underdeveloped in the present-day storyline, we don't really—there aren't a lot of—a lot to really— hear about heading into the finale it's going to be more just a bunch of character moments in the middle of a fight and gee whiz cool star wars type action stuff but it'll be underwhelming because it's underdeveloped by the way side note jennifer beals playing garcia Whip, i really liked what little we got of her it feels very much like one of those roles that people take an example would be emma thompson in the Harry Potter movies, it's something that's going to be big and my kids are going to be able to see me in it or it's high profile and something I can do. It's not a big role. It's not going to take a lot of time, but it's going to be on TV everywhere. And it's, you want to participate in the star Wars universe. It's just one of those things where it's something that you can point to, uh, and everybody knows it anyway, but to have her just blown up and. They're asking us to care about that. We're going to get a big old serious moment from Boba Fett saying, oh my God, how could they? But we didn't get any sense that he cared about Garza Fwip, but this is going to be a violation that has to be dealt with. And uh, again, underdeveloped. Six. Six. One thing I am here for, however, is Cobb. Raylan Givens' Vanth. If you have not seen the show Justified, you need to rectify that immediately. Raylan Givens, played by Timothy Olyphant, he, I mean, Timothy Olyphant, he was in Deadwood, which is brilliant, playing a cowboy, and then Justified being a more modern-day gunslinger. And then now we have him being a gunslinger uh, on Tatooine. It's not a stretch, obviously, for Timothy Oliphant to play this role. But they totally lean into it. There's joy to be had if you are a fan of either of those shows, particularly Justified. When he guns down the three pikes and says to the last one standing, think it through, it, it is such a real and givens moment. And he's just so good. in in that role but what's interesting and what i do like is that it sets up expectations for the final standoff with cad bane in the finale obviously Cobb vanth loses this but it was because he was worried about and distracted by the deputy and he might be just as good as cad bane i don't know how much stem packs or whatever they were calling for to heal him because he's not dead Uh, he Took the shot in the shoulder and Cadbane kept talking. So clearly he intended for Vanth to not die. But uh, I don't know that uh, you're going to have Cobb Vanth be able to stand up to Cadbane in the finale. But there's some history with Fennec and it's going to be this whole the team is better than your individual because really, who, does the, who do the bad guys have? The pikes are just a bunch of disposable people behind masks, just like stormtroopers there's the one guy that we met that sort of heads them up. He's not a physical presence. And so the only physical presence on the antagonist side is going to be Cad Bane. And he's going to be so badass, he's going to be able to hold them all off, but he can't die here. But it's going to be a a group effort to take down the Pike and Cad Bane. Anyway, and it's probably going to be typical bounty hunter fashion. There's probably going to be uh, a price maybe on Cad Bane's head. That's going to be the first job by Boba Fett and his quote-unquote house. Anyway, it was an interesting scene between Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane. You want to establish how good Bane is, but you don't want him to totally undercut how good Vanth is. And they achieved that in that, of course, Vanth loses the shootout, but that's because he was distracted. Would he have been able to outdraw Cad Bane if he hadn't been concerned for his deputy. Would they have been even? We don't know. And so maybe that will be addressed in the finale, but they might save that because he's recovering from the shot that he took. Anyway, side note, I wanted to point out that add both Cobb Vanth and Cadbane to the list of characters in this show who are cooler and more capable than Boba Fett. Mando's on that list, Kersanton might be, and Usually when you have a show or a movie, you protect your protagonist. You make them look good. There's a reason they're their protagonist. They're the best of the bunch. And Boba Fett is so far down the list of cool, interesting, and capable characters on this show. I'll throw Fennec into the mix as well. Why is this show about Boba Fett? Why? It's not anymore, if it ever was. And that's really disappointing. And I will keep using that word. And I, every time I hit that word, I should just shut up and move on. So I guess that's what I'm going to do right now. Seven. Seven. Great acting. Now, I know this podcast is about narrative and writing and story largely, but I just wanted to take a moment to point out that I am really enjoying, especially over the last couple of episodes. Uh, The acting, in that Timothy Oliphant, obviously, I've just gushed about him. He's outstanding. Pedro Pascal, um, assuming that he is underneath that armor, uh, staring at Grogu from afar. Little details, like when he looks over at Grogu and he's looking down at the chainmail armor in, in its little wrapping. And, and then he looks up again and he's taking these deep inhales, like it's emotional, like it's really good. And then Pedro Pascal's voice acting, it's just on point. And then you throw Rosario Dawson into the mix. She's fantastic. I've been a fan for the entirety of her career. And the downside to having all of that really good acting is that it reminds us and points out to us how good they are. In comparison to the ostensible leads of this show, Morrison and Wen, who are fine, but are totally not in the same league as the Olafens, Pascals, and Dawson's of the world. And frankly, Morrison uh, and Wen might be being outacted by deepfake Luke and obviously Grogu and his impossible cuteness. They are, again, so far down the list of actors we're really interested in watching. And so we forgive that the main storyline has been ignored for two episodes because we like these actors, we like their story, more so than the main story. Ever since we got away from Boba Fett and the Tuscans, there's been nothing really to care about. So anyway, some great acting here, and I enjoy it, and I'll look forward to more of it when we get around to other series that aren't the Book of Boba Fett. Eight. Eight. The galaxy is clearly tiny. Just going to point out and quickly and then move on but when you make the galaxy feel as small as it is when you have in a single episode you have luke you have r2d2 you have ahsoka you have cad bane you have mando you have grogu you have a mention of yoda galaxies are massive and how all of these characters keep coming together in these same stories I get it. I understand. It's it's nostalgic, but it's also good business. Talk about the danger of the risk-averse nature of entertainment that you keep dipping into these same characters to prop up stories because people feel rewarded for knowing these characters from from the movies. And it's just every single time we keep going back to it, we're not getting cool, new, interesting material. And I very much thought that when Disney would be exploring the Star Wars universe or galaxy, that we would be getting more shows like the Mandalorian at the outset, where you can invoke the name or have people call Grogu, baby Yoda, but, uh, you don't have to have everything informed by the Skywalker saga and all of the material that came before but they they can't resist it and maybe this is just because we're at the beginning of the evolution of disney plus shows with star wars and that they'll eventually have the willingness and confidence to branch out into stories that have nothing to do with this particular time period i would love to see knights of the old republic era stuff maybe i I tend to not like prequel stuff like i want to forge ahead in this galaxy what happens as things unfold that we head into the unknown and this episode was all about giving us the known and filling in gaps and feloni is good at that he's been doing it for a lot of his career at this point take advantage of the opportunity you have in front of you and not have to make everything about what used to be and i think that's a danger of things like deep fakes where it's okay we have no reason not to keep using those characters over and over again and uh not that that's infuriating but they're missing opportunities to really expand the galaxy and universe and take some risks and i know again it's risk averse business but disney plus has all the money in the world you paid four 5, billion five four and a half billion dollars for this story world um, take it to new places don't feel the need to keep giving the fan service. You're gonna have fans if you're making great material. The Star Wars universe will look like the Star Wars universe. It'll feel like it. It'll sound like it. So just move forward in time and let these characters, even a character like Mando, shake off all of the burdens of the past. Nine. Good scene, great scene. So a good scene Mando asking Cobb Vance for help with the fight against the Pikes. It's a really good scene. There's humor when Cobb Vance says, ah, that big smile of yours lets you get away with anything. When Mando was saying, I didn't think of you as somebody who would give in to bullies. But that whole scene is also filled with a lot of tension. We are pretty sure we know how the conversation is ultimately going to end, that these people are going to end up helping Mando. But there's enough tension there where the actors really sell it. Is this actually going to work? And there are some really good lines in there. Mando reaching a point where he says there's no easy way to ask for a favor. And uh, add in the fact that it's well-acted and well-written, that's good stuff. And uh, it's so interesting to me to say how well-acted a scene is when one of the characters is wearing a helmet But whether that's Pedro Pascal in the armor or somebody else, there's some good acting happening with that helmet on. We believe it. We feel it. He's better with his helmet on than Morrison is with his helmet off. Now, great scene. Cad Bane versus Cop Vanth. So much tension there. It looked beautiful when he's walking out of the desert, setting aside the fact like, okay, where's his ship? why did he land somewhere where nobody saw him arrive and then the dude has to use breathing apparatus and uh, he's going to walk through the desert where it's it's all kicked up and can't be easy to breathe but setting that aside it's a really cool arrival i will say it's interesting what why I, i did have the question walking away from it why would the pikes and Cad Bane be worried about the citizens of Freetown. Doesn't seem like the kind of thing that they would worry about a dozen people, 20 people from this outpost. But FET has a team in the single digits and the Pikes, when they brought in their reinforcements, they brought in a small number. I, I mean, granted it's pandemic time and more people will cost more money, but that all that aside, we can set aside these pragmatic concerns. It is old school Western, totally leaned into the Western thing. You had two guys pulling back there, getting their hands above the guns, and you have Cad Bane pulling the coat back, and you have the dumb deputy coming out and messing things up and just the tension is really good. That's a well-shot, staged acted. That is a great scene, a memorable scene. Cad Bane deserved a scene like that. Cobb Vanth, once again, proves to be a much more interesting character. Like, when the best scene of any episode doesn't involve your protagonist, then your protagonist shouldn't have been your protagonist. I would watch a series with Cobb Vanth A hundred times more than I would see another Boba Fett show. He's just that good. And uh, again, getting back to that point I made earlier about protecting your protagonist. Okay, we had a good scene and a great scene. Who? Cobb Vanth is in both. We have the Mandalorian. We have Mando and we have Cad Bane. None of these scenes involve Boba Fett. He made your show about the wrong guy. 10. Characterization. I just wanted to point out something in the script, in the show, that really, it's a nice economical way to characterize something that you're then going to quickly pay off. So the deputy, when Mando arrives in what is now Freetown, the deputy confronts Mando and then we hear a voice from behind the deputy and it's Cobb Vance saying, I'll take care of it. But the way he confronts Mando. Maybe you he didn't hear me. We don't like him. And as soon as you see that happening with a deputy character, particularly when Cobb then immediately says, ah, he's new, a little jumpy, it does a number of things. One, we don't like him. So we're willing to forgive him if he ends up dying. And you set up with that little line, he's a little jumpy. Well, he was a little, he acted that way with Mando, but it ends up paying off that word jumpy. In the fight with Cad Bane, where his hand's all twitchy compared to both Cad Bane and Cobb Vanth with their hands above their guns being very calm and steady. And uh, that was set up by this little throwaway line about how he's new and a little bit jumpy. And uh, so it was very economic way to set up not only that he's going to mess things up when Cad Bain shows up but that we're okay when he as opposed to Cobb Vanth taking the shot in the shoulder that he takes a number of shots to the chest like the only thing that was wrong in all of that is that uh, Cobb Vanth was the one wearing the red shirt although my son did point out that the deputy did have a red scarf on. From the moment he is rude to Mando, he's a dead man. Eleven. One quick question Ahsoka would know that Grogu would feel that Mando was there. Was she cool with that? Did she want to let Grogu feel the pain of being left behind without a visit? Is she trying to help Luke get Grogu to a place where Grogu will choose to release his attachments, let go of them? I don't think we'll ever have those questions answered. Of course, we'll have the question about Grogu's choice, which I'll get into in just a moment. But it's just such an interesting thing. Like Ahsoka, she's smart, she's a Jedi. She would know that Grogu would be aware that Mando was there and they gave us the visual of the ship leaving, but Grogu would have felt it even before then. Of course, they then get to give us that little, I'm baby Yoda and I'm reaching out and oh, Mando is leaving me. And he didn't even say hi in part to prepare us for, or make us think. That grogu might choose the uh, lightsaber over the mithril armor but anyway i just wanted to bring up this question in part because it shows that it's really hard to shape a script without having lingering questions because you can't answer every single possible question because you know, most scripts, particularly sci fi fantasy, it requires some suspension of disbelief and it requires you to bend logic here and there. Like you want to put it on screen and have that moment where Grogu is reaching for the ship. But it's a Grogu would have known before then and Ahsoka would have known that. And we never really get to understand her motivations, but we can't get everything. 12 Grogu's Choice. So, Filoni has worked in the Star Wars galaxy for a long while now. And in Rebels, one of the things that I really liked that he worked in, there's a certain amount of a Buddhist approach and a Buddhist feel to the world, uh, the story world of Star Wars. And he leaned into that very heavily in Rebels that there was The bentu, a a character who is between the light and the dark, sort of that idea of the Buddhist idea of the middle path. And it feels like that's probably where Faluni is going here. Because what Luke has provided Grogu is a false choice, that uh, you have to choose one or the other and the jedi order it hasn't worked out really well when you say you can't have attachments because it is very human slash self-aware intellectual species there are attachments and to deny that is to make people have to do things in secret that's the whole anakin thing having to hide his affair. And then they have children and the Jedi path doesn't really work. And obviously the Sith and the dark side of the force, that path leads to destruction. It's the middle path is the one where, and and, and it's even built in to the stuff that Luke is talking about and that we've heard throughout this um, entire run of movies and TV shows. That uh, the Force is about everything being in balance. Well, the Jedi aren't in balance. The Sith aren't in balance. It's Bentu, It's possibly Grogu. He is being told you have a choice. You will either give up your attachments and become a Jedi, or you will cave to those temptations, take the armor, and then leave and never become a Jedi. Setting aside the fact that I really wanted Grogu just to force Will the lightsaber over to his hand, light it up, and then threaten Luke and take the armor and take off? But I've remembered everything from my earlier training, and I don't need you. But obviously, that's the ridiculous version of it. That's Mel Brooks. That aside, this middle choice, the idea that he can be both a foundling as well as being a Padawan, that he will find the middle path. He can have both the lightsaber and the chainmail. He can learn what it is to be a Jedi while also caring about the Mandalorian, that part of the journey of those two characters is going to be, over time, that they are stronger together, that that the Mandalorian creed is going to have an influence on Grogu, while at the same time, Grogu and the Jedi principles will also help the Mandalorian find uh, a better balance in his own life and his own existence and we'll end up building to a very emotional separation at the end of the series maybe but to the fact that they will be together that so the choice they could go different directions here they could have him choose the lightsaber and then something happens and Mando ends up having to come take him away. He could take the chain, he want to leave right away, but the Mandalorian is taken off. And I'm guessing that they're going to want a few episodes, some episodes, Mandalorian season three, where the, where Mando is on his own and then ultimately has to go back. But one thing is for sure that this whole idea of creating the question at the end of this episode, they're not going to answer it because they want people talking about it, heading into the mandalorian season three which way did grogu choose what's going to happen and they're not going to tell us and then you're going to see lots of stories about it heading into mando season three whenever that happens that they want to have those articles written and those podcasts done and references to it in the press that what did grogu choose and yeah This is all part of the business, and they're just leaving us with a cliffhanger, which this series will not answer. Thirteen. Predictions. We have, what, 35 minutes if we go for the typical length of an episode? Might they go up to 50 minutes, as they have on occasion? In the end, whatever time they give, it's not going to be enough, because they have to set up the battle that is going to happen between the pikes and the people of Tatooine. You're going to have to set up Cad Bane. You're to have to set up our whole crew of people. What are they all going to be doing? And then you have the battle itself, where you're going to have everybody have their big moments. Mafet's got to have a bunch of them, presumably. Fennec and Cad Bane's history is going to factor in here. You have to think about it. Black going to have his moments. Mando's going to have his moments. You're going to have the mods all have their moments. And then after the battle ends, well, and, and then, of course, the town, townsfolk are going to have to come in with Cobb Vanth. And, and then here's where I'm throwing in a curveball. Maybe I would love to see, like, to, a payoff of the whole Tuscan thing. Is to, so we think, okay, that's the big moment. The Freetown townsfolk show up, but even they're getting overwhelmed. But then the Tuscans show up, like this is about the whole planet of Tatooine and the Tuscan show up. They have heard, um, of the legend of Boba Fett that his... Ability to become one of them, even though his particular tribe got wiped out, that others are there for him, and they step in and they turn the tide. And then, but whatever ends up happening, oh, by the way, you're also going to have a Boba Fett riding the Rancor moment, or was that just totally a, a throwaway in that episode where he talked about wanting to ride this one, even though we've seen nothing of that since then, but. You would think that they planted that seed to pay it off here in the finale. You know, they're going to work in this theme of we work together, even though we're supposed to be isolated individuals. That's the thing that Cad Bane and the Pikes can't account for, is when people are willing to team up for the greater good. And then you're going to have to then have the post-battle wrap-up character moments where you have to find out, like, is uh, Boba Fett going to take off, leaving Tatooine in better hands. You, we can assume that, uh, Cobb Vanth is gonna, you know, go back to Freetown, but, you know, maybe play uh, a bigger role on Tatooine moving forward. That's to help keep the other three warring, potentially warring factions, keep them in line. And it'll be about Boba Fett establishing his house with Fennec and Black and Mando where they can do jobs for them, and they always have a place, but they're going to go out into the world, into the galaxy, and do their thing. And so that's a lot of business in 30 to 50 minutes. Set up the battle, have the battle, and post-battle wrap-up. And it's season-slash-series wrap-up as well. And it's just not a lot of time to do all of that. And to, again, I said earlier, I I don't have the highest hopes in the world, but we'll see what they do with it. But in the end, they're going to defeat the pikes and the spice trade will leave Tatooine alone and they're going to need to keep some muscle around to make sure that happens. And you just wonder if they're going to plant a seed for, you know, what future things that they might do, but essentially... This is all going to, it's going to pay off the whole, you know, sanctuary being blown up that suddenly everybody on Tatooine realizes nobody is safe. And so they need to take the place back for themselves and they do. And it's very heartwarming and things wrap up, but, uh, because things were not developed as well as they could be, it will be a hollow victory. I'll be happy for everybody. And again, there'll be some cool moments in there to watch, but more substance could have been built into the story to make us care more. But that wasn't their agenda. That was their goal with it and uh, with this show. And that's really, in the end, have to take things as they are, not as we wish them to be. This is the show that they wanted to make. I ultimately would have tried to fight tooth and nail for more substance. But Favreau and Filoni know a lot more than I do. They're vastly more successful than I will ever be. But man, the the story choices here, I I just think they could have done so much more if they had just spent a little more time in development and get the story to where it needed to be. Thirteen. All right. So that's it for this week. And uh, we've got one more of these people tend to want to spend a little less time in a series wrap up or a season wrap up, but I will talk about what happened in the episode. It'll probably be released a little bit uh, earlier than this one. Sorry. This one took me a little bit longer to get to, but I thank you again for listening. I've been asking for call to action every week, but I'm just not going to do that here. I'm just grateful you were here to listen to this and hope you tune in for the wrap up after the final episode and uh, yeah, I'll see you next week.